my title is, and <laughs> Gloria's going to just go, what? Um, but what Lord, the Lord spoke to me was to talk about the story of Deborah. And so the title of my teaching is, It's Your Season to Arise. And so just to give you the backstory, um, we're talking about Judges chapter 4. And God has delivered um, the Israelites out of Egypt. And it all started with their unfaithfulness uh, to God began because when he told them to go in and to possess the land of Canaan, the promised land, they didn't do that. And so it took them 40 years. And so um, finally, when they went and possessed it after Joshua's death, they failed in obeying God's laws and they sinned against him. And so they again reaped the painful consequences of their disobedience. And so that's when God allowed neighboring um, nations to come and to enslave them and to um, oppress them in such a really horrible, terrible way. But eventually, uh, God's people would cry out for forgiveness. And of course, the Lord was always there to listen and bring them out of captivity, out of the hands of their enemy, and he would always give them victory. So during the time of the judges, we know that um, a king was not appointed during that time, and so there was no ruler to govern the people of God. Instead, it was a judge. And so the role and the purpose of the judges is they were appointed, number one, by God. God was the one that appointed the judges. And the role and the purpose of the judges was to serve as military leaders, and they also uh, settled disputes with the people uh, that was in the land. And so God, was his, God spoke through those judges, and they became God's mouthpiece. So the time span of the judges was also 400 years is what they believed it to be. But I found in Galatians 3.17, Paul states that it was 430 years. So I believe Paul rather than the commentaries. <laughs> so Judges 17.16 uh, also lets us know the state of Israel during that time. And it says that Israel had no king and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So this was a cycle of Israel. So they would fall into sin and idolatry. Israel becomes enslaved. Then they cry out to the Lord. And then God raises up a judge. And then Israel's delivered. And then Israel serves the Lord. It continually repeated itself over and over and over again. And so the first judge, his name was Othniel. This may be a little bit too much history, but I just kind of found it very interesting. He delivered that country from an eight-year oppression, and they had 40 years of peace. Ahad ruled, and they had 80 years of peace. Shamgar, now the study that I was trying to look at, no one really knows how long uh, that person was a judge. Uh, it just doesn't really state. But we do know that after his reign, then it came Deborah. She was the fourth judge. So Judges 4, 1 through 4, and that's where we're going to be reading. It talks about Jabin. And Jabin was the king of Canaan. And so he's the one that ruled and reigned in Hazar. And so he had 900 chariots, and those chariots uh, were fitted with iron. So that was that established how strong of an army that he had. And so he oppressed the Israelites for about 20 years. And of course, they then came back to God and they cried out for his help. So now I'm reading from verse 5 of Judges chapter 4. It says, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She was so highly respected, they even named a palm tree after her. So she's, that's where she conducted her business. And so it was known as, uh, you know, the palm of Deborah. But let's look at a few things with Deborah. Not only was Deborah was the only woman judge during this 430-year span. The only woman judge. And so she is a wife. 
She is a prophetess. She is a judge. She is a military leader. And her name means bee. And she was known as, uh, or described as a bee uh, in times of peace, but a wasp in times of war. And so we really read throughout the Bible the times that the judges um, would settle disputes. They were always at the gate of the city. That's usually where the businesses, uh, you know, back and forth with land and, and everything. It transpired at the gate of the city. But it says that she sat under the palm of Deborah, and it was in the hill country. And so one translation, translation said it was in the secure heights of the hills of Mount Ephraim between Ramah and Bethel. But during this time, if we go back after reading um, Judges chapter 4, Judges chapter 5 actually gives more detail of how the battle was won. And it talks about how the men were afraid to come out of their homes and they hid. And so the oppression that the Israelites were under, it was pretty bad. And so I believe that she was up there because that was a place of safety uh, where she could conduct the business of God. So Deborah had many gifts and she had gifts of wisdom. She clearly heard from God. She was devoted. She was a prophetess. She was God's mouthpiece during this time. And again, with the cycle that I talked about earlier, the Israelites would come pleading for her help and crying out to God for intervention um, and get deliverance from the oppression because it seemed like when every judge died, the Israelites would go back to their old ways <laughs> and then God would raise up another judge. And so this was their habit. And so she, at this point, begins to start interceding. She's hearing as people is coming to her about the oppression and everything that the people are seeing and what the enemy is doing. Um, so, so there was fear. So we know that there was probably beatings and things like that that happened. And so the people turned back to God. They needed his help. They wanted his deliverance. And so he heard their cries. And so it was her place to pray on behalf of the people as well. And so we know that God gave instruction to Deborah, specific instructions. And we read that he has a specific plan. And so she calls for Barak. And so Barak is the Israelite warrior. And so he, she begins to speak to him. And we're reading from verse 6 now. It says, the God of Israel. So Deborah is telling Barak, the God of Israel commands you, go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle. Take 10,000 troops from Naphtali and Zebulun. I'll take care of getting Sisera, the leader of Jabin's army, to the Kishon River with all his chariots and troops. And I'll make sure you win the battle. Verse 8 says, And Barak said, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. So I began to think about Barak's response here. And I read through some of the commentaries, and they really described him as this coward because they said if Barak truly believed uh, God, he would have obeyed God. So a lot of different uh, people's opinions um, that they were making because of Barak's response. Uh, you know, was he afraid to carry out the order uh, from God? Was he, you know, did he have fear? As I was praying about this, I actually believe, this is Janice's commentary, <laughs> but I think Barak actually had misplaced faith. He had faith to believe that God was with Deborah, but he didn't have the faith that God would be with him without her. Do you, did you understand what I said there? That's what I think. Um, so we can actually misplace our faith in God with other people. And I'm going to throw Sharon in here just because I can. <laughs> but, but sometimes we may think that, well, Sharon has more faith than I do. God speaks through her all the time. 
you know so if she's in a in a prayer meeting he's going to speak through her not me you know and so i'm not in her league you know she's more experienced she's more at a higher spiritual level than i am you know i hope to get there but i'm not where she's at uh, you know, I'll be more sure of my victory if she's with me, you know, and so I need her. I, you know, I can't, God can't expect me to do this alone. Surely with a spiritual mother like her, he'll hear me, you know. So I think sometimes we misplace our faith in other people because Sharon would be the first to say, hey, <laughs> God can speak through anybody. And sometimes she might be the last person in the room because God says, I want to raise somebody up, else up to hear my voice and to speak. And so he'll tell her to, to be quiet. You know, a, a lot of the times, then it's like, you got something, I ain't got to say a word. Because guess what? God, does, God doesn't want her speaking it. He wants to give it to somebody else. So, so that's why I think sometimes we can put, misplace our faith and put it too much in another person. Um, so we have to realize that Jesus is enough in us, that he's going to speak through us. And I don't need anybody but Jesus. So don't get me wrong. I know it's great to have another person speak into our lives, to pray with us, to stand with us, to have a mentor, to have a spiritual mother, but we can't allow them to be the only source that God speaks through on our behalf okay many people think that a pastor well he should have a word for me and then they leave the church when he doesn't and they're like well i asked god to give me a word and he didn't give me a word so then they get upset and they leave the church thinking that that pastor isn't operating in in the prophetic or whatever they get an attitude (laughs) and so we have to get to the place where it's like when did we start believing the lie that we are unable to hear the voice of God and that we can only hear it through somebody else. So when did you believe that God can't speak to you unless it's only through another person? I put a lot of us tend to feel more like Barack than Deborah. <laughs> and here my lesson is really about Deborah, but sometimes I'm, I'm reading through this and I'm like, hmm, how many of us are more like Barack? Than instead of Deborah. So your identity and your purpose cannot be compared or lived through another person. Are you afraid to step out because of fear? Maybe you're afraid that it's not God's voice that you're hearing. Well, what if I fail? What if I say something and it wasn't really from God? It was just my thoughts and my words. What are other people going to think of me? Don't allow those things to bring doubt, fear, and shame. Because when you believe the lies, you start operating from a false identity. And with that, it holds you back, and you are so afraid that you won't even say anything at all. I've been there. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I think I got that wrong. And then it's like, not mine. I ain't going to say nothing. When Sharon says, do you have anything? Nope. Nope. Because I've allowed that fear of thinking, well, what if it's just me? When this happens, the enemy wants us to start doubting every voice, the very voice of God. And he wants us to start doubting who is in us. So God is in you. You are his mouthpiece. And your true identity is in the truth of what God says about you. And I know we've been drilling this in and drilling this in of knowing who you are in Christ and what your, who your true identity is and for you to start believing who God says you are. I mean, we will continue and continue and continue because it's so, so important because the enemy is always right there to bring a, a, a little thing of doubt or to lie to you. And so I tell you what, if, if we can just know who we are, then it doesn't matter what voice comes in. We're strong in the Lord, and we recognize that that deceiving, negative thing that comes into our mind. Anything that's negative, it's not from God. Okay, there's no condemnation. So anything that's negative, it you know it's going to be the voice of the enemy. 
So we're not all perfect. How many here is perfect? I, I am not perfect. We will all fail. But we have the grace of God that covers us. And we need to be able to extend the grace to other people as well. So was Barak putting his faith in Deborah? God's message came forth only through the prophets and the judges during this time. So he knew that if he went into battle, the God that she hears was going to instruct him. So he looked to her either way. Barak was, will, was not willing to enter, enter the battle without her. Hebrews 11, I saw this reference, and it's known as the faith chapter. It lists verse after verse after verse about people in the word of God, how they were acknowledged and commended for their faith. So verse 32 in Hebrews 11 says, What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. Those weakness whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So Barak was commended for his faith. So other commentaries said, no, he was a coward. No, he was commended for his faith. Chapter 4, verse 9 says, Certainly, this is Deborah's response, it says, Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the journey you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah shows such boldness, confidence, strength. She called this battle that they were going on, it's, it's a journey. I, thought, I found that interesting. She said it was, it's, a, it's a journey. And what does a journey mean in the dictionary? It's just traveling from one place to another. <laughs> I wouldn't call a battle a journey. <laughs> but she did. Because she had complete peace and complete trust in the promise of the spoken word of God. So for her to say she wouldn't go, it was not going to be an option for her. She clearly knew that God had spoken and God said the enemy would be given to them. She said, certainly, I will go. But God's ultimate plan changes. And Deborah reminds Barak, hasn't the Lord gone before you? She knew the outcome of this battle. It was settled in heaven. But she spoke as if Israel already secured the victory. So she starts to begin to encourage Barak. She's reminding him that God is going before him and the victory will be given. And then if you'll notice, immediately then she goes into the prophetic. So God immediately, as she's speaking, the prophetic word of God comes upon her and says, because of the journey you are taking, the honor would not be for him. And she said that God will use a woman to be the one to defeat Sisera. Paul spoke in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? There was no fear. She knew and was obedient to the voice of God. So Barak went down to Mount Tabor and he took 10,000 troops. He took men and they began following him and at Barak's advance. When that word Barak's advance, I believe that's when faith was in action with, for him. Okay? Because faith in action, and I even looked this up in the dictionary, I said, well, what does faith in action actually mean? You know? And it, it described it as a, an event with a combination of the mind, emotion, and the willingness to do it. 
So sometimes in order for us to get our faith in action, we've got to line everything up here. Because I know it says without faith, uh, it's impossible to please him. And sometimes the things that we can't see, we need, that's faith, believing on those things that we can't see as though they are. But in order to move in faith, we have to take an action. We have to have a willingness to proceed no matter what. If I can't, if I can't um, see, like, if, for instance, say you're praying for a job or something. Well, that doesn't mean, okay, well, I'll just wait for God to have them call me. No, no, you still have to apply. You know, God's going to open the door. So, but your faith has to be in action. Say, God, I know you've got a job for me. But you have to take the means to put your applications out there. But God's going to open the door for the right place for you to go. So that's what I mean by that. Hopefully that uh, you understand that. Because, um, you know, we have to line up our emotions, too, to know that, God, no matter what, I, I, no matter what I'm feeling, I'm going to trust you. We got to get past because the enemy wants you to down, depressed, and fear, and shame, and blame, and and all these things, so that he can keep you down from moving forward into the very things that God has called us into. So Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera, and again he was the leader of Jabin's army, and all his chariots and army were defeated by the sword, and Sisera got down from his chariot. And again, chapter 5 talks more about how and what had happened. But God sent rains. And, of course, it, it poured down upon them. And those chariots got stuck in the mud. Look at what happened with the Israelites. <laughs> the same thing. Their chariots, you know, the, the, the Red Sea just kind of collapsed within them. So, so his, his uh, chariot gets stuck. And so he begins to flee on foot. And so he ends up approaching this tent. So this woman is there. Her name is Jael. And so she's the wife of Eber, or Eber. She was a Kenite. And so he approaches her, and, and he says, hey, hide me, hide me. And so she, and he says, hey, and if anybody comes asking for me, just tell them that, you know, I wasn't here. And so she allows him to come in, and so he asks her for some water. Well, she ends up giving him fatty milk. And so, because I looked at milk and I'm like, I know sometimes warm milk makes you sleepy. And I'm like, well, okay, what was milk like in the Bible times? And so in the Bible times, it was very, uh, some versions say it was curdled milk. Uh, but it was a very fatty milk that caused them to be sleepy. And so after she gave him a, a bowl, it says, a bowl of this fatty milk to drink, he fell asleep and so he covered up and hid but what she ended up doing the moment he fell asleep she picked up a tent peg and she picked up a hammer and she drove that tent peg in the temple of of him of Sisera and killed him and so the prophetic word of God has been fulfilled for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And so the Israelites are free from the oppression that they were under, and their enemies were defeated, and they had peace once again for 40 years. So again, read Judges chapter 5. Uh, I know at verse 12, it, it begins as a poem or a song of Deborah, and it starts out, and it says, wake up, wake up, Deborah, wake up, wake up, break out in song, arise, Barak, Take captives, your captives. And I kept saying, boy, she said, wake up a lot. How many people hit the snooze button when the alarm goes off? It's like, oh, snooze. Snooze, I'll wake up in a minute. Oh, that snooze. Oh, I'll wake up. Barry did that this morning. I heard him say, Alexa, snooze. <laughs> so I, I'm up. It's like 5 o'clock in the morning because I'm still preparing. And the next thing I know, it's going off again. Alexa, snooze. <laughs> I hear and I'm like, this is so funny. And, uh, and finally, he gets up and he says, Alexa, stop. So I know he's now getting ready to get up. But, you know, and, and I remember a story of my son Ryan when he was in high school and lived at home. Oh, my goodness, that kid could sleep through an alarm clock. I mean, our room was right under his. And it's like I could hear his alarm, ah, ah, you know, the annoying sound. And I'm like, I'm laying in bed going, 
surely he hears that. He's going to be getting up. Now about a minute goes, I'm like, are you kidding me? How can anybody sleep through this alarm? I can hear it through the basement. But he did. He would never wake up, and I'd have to go in there and say, Ryan, he heard my voice, <laughs> but not the voice of the alarm. And I'm like, Ryan, shut up your alarm, <laughs> or get up, or do something. you know. But it's like, it, it kept saying, wake up. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up. Wake up. And so what is God calling you to do? in this season what is god speaking to you about how many of us can relate to deborah or do we see ourselves more like barack maybe you're like jl you're ready to pound a tent peg tent peg in the the temple of your enemy you know but i believe god wanted me to tell you that it's your season to arise Don't allow the enemy to tell you that you aren't valuable in his kingdom, that you don't have a part to play, and that you just, um, you know, I'm just little old me. What can I do for the kingdom of God? You know, Deborah, she was a woman. She was a leader. She was a mother. But God was preparing her for a specific purpose in the season that she was in. This is a journey in time for her. It's a journey in time for us. So what is he teaching you? What is he preparing you for? What is it that he's getting you ready to do? His timing, I've always talked about his timing, but his timing is going to propel you and it's going to equip you for what you need in the next season. So Deborah was in a very intimate secret place of worship with God. She learned how to listen to the voice of God. So when he spoke, she knew it was his voice. And she was willing to be obedient and declare the voice of God to the people around her. So every decision, even with her listening to the disputes with you know, this person and this person, you know, God gave her the wisdom and the knowledge and the words and the wisdom to speak uh, what needed to be done. Uh, by her. When no one else would rise up, she was obedient to God. When everything, when everyone else was doing their own thing and what was right in their own eyes, she was listening to the voice of God. Being obedient and fulfilling a call and duty on behalf of her country. And that reminded me of another person, Esther. We know that Esther in the Bible had a purpose. Esther 4.14 says, For if you remain silent in this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So God's going to fulfill his purpose. But are you going to be obedient when he says, I wanted you to do it? If you look back on your life 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, how many can say that you've learned more, that you've grown in the Lord more? You're now walking in a confidence that wasn't there before. And you're walking in the calling. You're like, yeah, I know what I'm called to do. I know what God is speaking to me right now. And I look back on my life in uh, grade school and through high school, and I may have shared this, so bear with me, but I had a love for kids. Um, I began began teaching two-year-olds when I was, I think, a freshman at First Assembly of God in Pekin on Parkway Avenue, which is now a different name. But um, I began, I, I just, I knew I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a mother. And so I took child care in high school. You know, I took child care one and two and, you know, it was just something that I loved, and I knew I wanted the training, and I wanted the teaching, and I wanted something to help me be good at being a mother, you know, when that would happen, and help me in even, um, you know, my, just conversing with, with babies, and how to speak, and what to look for, and so, you know, I went through the training, I went through the schooling for that, and so, and I, and I keep thinking about that, and then, Throughout our life, you know, when Barry and I met, then 
we ended up teaching junior high kids. And then at Harvest, my sister's church, then I took over Adventure Bay. I took over, uh, you know, Wednesday night. We, we taught children and then uh, taught high schoolers. And so all throughout our life, it was like God was teaching me, <clears throat> excuse me, and the calling and the ministry of God was always in me. I never thought that my teaching of kids would now bring me to the place where now I'm teaching women, <laughs> you know, because I had to start somewhere. So never, I never would have dreamed that that was my purpose and calling. But see, it was always in me to do the purpose and the will of God for my life. But he was training me in different seasons, and I learned something, and I continued to grow in the knowledge of God and how to relate and how to talk, and I'm still learning. <laughs> but, and the other thing that I did too is um, I love to sing. Um, I remember at the First Assembly of God that we had uh, auditions, and we, I'm like, you know, I never really sang a whole lot, but I'm like, well, I know I can carry a tune. I'm not, I'm not Carrie Job, you know, but, but I know I could carry a tune at least. And so, but I was really reluctant about trying out, and I'm like, oh, surely somebody else will make it. I won't even make it, but I'll try out. So I'll try out. Well, I ended up making Celebration Company, and there was about, I think it was like 15 of us. And so what we ended up doing was, we basically learned a whole program of music. And so we went to churches throughout, uh, I believe we went to Wisconsin, Indiana, Southern Illinois. And so we ministered a whole entire summer going to churches and singing. And we even was on television for, uh, Pastor Callahan had a TV show. And so we were actually on his television program and our whole group sang on that. So. Yeah, it was only probably 15 people watched it. I don't know. But but we were. We were on TV. And so, um, you know, and then Barry and I became worship leaders. So it seemed like everywhere we were going, the ministry of leading worship um, was in us, you know. And so we, we were using our gifts and our talents and our abilities. And so it had always been developing in us. And I put here... You, this is this is what I had. Um, you see, the devil can't take something that was already gifted to you at birth. Your identity and purpose was created and given to you by God, so He can't take away that purpose that God has for you. And I know that. Um, again, I shared this story again. So again, bear with me, but when I look at my son, Ryan, he had a musical gift. I mean, look at his parents. <laughs> so, but he, he would sit back, I remember as a kid, and he, Barry would have his guitar, and he'd be sitting on the couch, and I see a lot of Matthew with his kids. And so, you know, Barry's playing his guitar, and I remember Ryan just sitting directly in front of him, and he had this little bitty small toy red guitar. I'm sure most of you have given it to your kids. But he would sit there, and as Barry's playing, Ryan would sit there with his little toy heart right in front of him. And he'd be trying to sing, and, and just, you know, he didn't know what the words were, but he'd, ah, you know, he's still singing, and he's playing with his dad. And so I remember one time he tried to pick up his father's guitar, and of course, you know, his little hands couldn't get around that guitar, <laughs> but he would strum it. And so... We knew he really, really wanted to play the drums. That was, that was really what he wanted to do. And so when fifth grade came, we wanted to go ahead and he wanted to be in band and he wanted to do the percussion, which is the bell kit, which he can hit drums and do all that kind of stuff. And so he's in fifth grade and he's in band and his band teacher comes up to us and basically says, Ryan does not have a sense of rhythm. I think he needs to try something else. The devil, I mean, I'm not calling her the devil, but he can steal or take away, or he can't, I'm sorry, he can't steal or take away the calling of God on Ryan's life. God's plan and his purpose was to give him that gift and the ability to play the drums. 
And so it didn't matter what she said. We thought she was crazy. And so what was more important was Ryan did not allow those words and that doubt, the negativity to stop him because he could have believed that he wasn't capable of playing and never picked up a drumstick again. We could come into agreement with her because she knows more. She's a band teacher. But at that moment, Ryan, his choice could have kept him from fulfilling God's call and plans for his life. So see how that works. He could, even though God's purpose was for him to play, he could have allowed that to keep him from doing what God really had for his life. So God's plan would have never changed, even if Ryan would have never picked up a drum set again. His plan was always there. Ryan just chose to believe a lie in the negativity, and then he never picked it up again. That's what God does not want us to do. So it's still his purpose to have him play for the glory of God. God placed the desire in him. It has always been in him. God gives us a choice. So he was actually more determined to play than ever before. <laughs> and after that, he never had another lesson in his life. And so the gift was in him. So Ryan has played drums. Um, there's been major recording artists that have come into town probably in the last, I think it was like the last five, ten, probably five to ten years. And I can't remember the name of the artist, but they had records and stuff. But um, when they were coming to a church in Bloomington, they said, hey, do you have a drummer that's good? And they said, oh, yeah, we know we'll have Ryan. And so they're like, well, bring Ryan to practice. And so Ryan would play, and they're like, man, he's an awesome drummer. So he actually played for professional Christians who had records and so the very well-known people. So see how God, his purpose and his plan, you know, was for him. And so I'm going to just brag on all my kids today, I guess. And so, so I began looking at every one of my kids, and then I looked at, um, of course, Brianna. She, she was always with her mother, and so she's got that teaching gift. It's in her. <laughs> she's teaching children. She's doing it. And so, um, uh, so, so with Brianna, I know God is fulfilling her call and her purpose right now but I know that God's gonna take her even further because I see it, she may not see it. I think you see it too. He's got more for her. She just hasn't come into her season yet. But I look at Nathan, I remember him being in junior high. He's one of my twins. And he just, I think it was when Brianna <laughs> had a baby, he was just like, I am never having kids. Not that they were bad. He's just like, I am never having kids. I don't wanna work with kids. I'm not gonna be a dad. I just, not. And I have to almost break that because I know right now they're trying to have a baby and they haven't been able to. And, and I'm hoping that it wasn't those words that he spoke that said, you know, I'm never going to be a father because it's like we've got to break that off because I know that they want to have a child. So we do have to be conscious of what we say because life and death is in the power of the tongue. So, so God just brought that to my mind. So, yeah, we need to pray, pray about that with him. But anyway... Um, going on with him, um, you know, he said he never wanted to work with kids or be with kids. Well, guess what? God brought Courtney in his life. She's a children's pastor. <laughs> and so she works with kids. And I remember the time that they asked him and said, would you be a counselor in Carlinville? He's like, oh, really? Fine, I will do it. And so he did it reluctantly because they needed counselors. Well, I guess after the first day, he was so, the term is lit, he was so lit with, he goes, I love this. I love working with the kids. And he's like, I don't care. I'm for, I will take a week off and not get paid. Every year I'm going to go down and I'm going to be a counselor to these kids. He enjoyed it so much. So it's like God had a calling 
Okay, even though he thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, no. God had a purpose and a other plan because he's like, well, guess what, Nathan? Not only are you going to, to marry someone who works with kids, now you're going to get involved in actually being a counselor and you're going to be ministering to those kids. And so God's plan and his purpose, sometimes we, we're, we don't recognize what it is, but God does. And he orchestrates everything for us to fulfill his plan and his purpose. So after him, and I know I didn't say anything about Zach. Zach, I'm just glad Zach is interested in a girl right now. So <laughs> a lot of prayer on that one. And so I know he's dating Sarah Brown. And so uh, at least he's talking about saving up money for a ring. So I think they're going to get married. So this is going to be great when that happens. But, um, but, but I look at, um, you know, God's using every one of my kids and he's using them in the kingdom of God. And now my grandkids and Landon, and I know I've talked about him, but I remember him at two and three years old just banging on a drum. And I remember when Ryan was playing the drums, I believe it was here when Pastor Jim was here. And Landon, he would sit right on Ryan's lap and Ryan would be playing the drums and Landon would be right there and he'd be playing while Ryan's playing. And of course, you know, Ryan's going and then Landon's like, oh, I need to get going. And Ryan's trying to dodge the drumsticks behind him because, you know, Landon is playing. Well, Landon right now is in band. What is he doing? He's doing the bell kit. He's wanting to play the drums. And so even as a child, can't you, it's like, look at your grandchildren and, and look, because you can see, it's, it's like when I start seeing it, I'm like, I can see. I can see their purpose. I can see God's plan for them. The drumming, Landon's going to be a drummer. And the other thing with Landon, too, is God uses him in the prophetic. And I know I may have shared this before, too, but this was right before the pandemic. We were going to go on a cruise. And Landon, I tell you what, that kid's got ears. It's so funny because we might be talking downstairs. The next thing we know, Landon's like, yeah, I heard that. It's like, how does that kid hear? I just don't understand. But anyway, so we were talking about going on a cruise. Landon came down the stairs and he says, we're not supposed to go on a cruise this year and walked right upstairs and we're like where did that come from and we're all like okay you know God's God has spoke through him and we're like okay we're gonna listen to him and so, and so we didn't we ended up going someplace else that's when then the um, the pandemic hit and they had all those cruise ships that were sitting out in the middle of the ocean and they didn't want anyone to dock and get off I'm telling you what, he, God is using him in the prophetic. And I think at that time he was like eight years old. So again, God is using these kids. I can see the giftings. I can see how God is going to purpose them when they're adults. They're going to serve the purpose that God has for them. Um, Jade, uh, we'll go with her. You know, she is a worshiper. She loves to worship the Lord. And I know there's many times Patty may see her more than anybody else because when she is getting lost in worship, she usually just goes in the very back. And all of a sudden, because we can see her from the stage, and I know Deb has seen her, she's in the back standing in the heart, and she's, she's just, she's like this. She's got both her hands out, and she's worship, she is worshiping God with all her heart. She's a little more reluctant to do that in here, and I, know, I don't know if it's because of the eyes that are on her. But that's where she's comfortable, most comfortable, is just to worship and that's where she's alone with God and no other eyes is on her it's just her and the Lord out there in the foyer just praising and worshiping God and she sings and she's done a you know a couple specials uh, here at church during Christmas time and so God has a gifting and a calling on her because I remember when our Barry and I and our band our family band we would have microphones and she would always she would sit on a stool and she'd put that grandma where's the microphone you know, at three years old, and I'd put that microphone stand, and she would just sit there and sing. She'd sing, Jesus loves me, and she's just worshiping God, even at two and three years old. And now I look back, and I'm like, I see her growing in the Lord. I see how God's using her. Lakin and Hadley. <laughs> oh, Lakin, I know that God's going to use him. I know we got Hadley, God is going to use her. Uh, you know, Lakin likes to drum too. 
but he also likes certain things precise, so he might be an administrator or something because he, he has this perfectionistic um, attitude, even as a two-year-old. Uh, but I know Hadley, the enemy, wants to try and do so much against her with the fluid and everything. He tried, um, you know, to, to cause a lot of harm uh, within her as she was growing. But I know God's got a plan and a purpose because the enemy's trying so hard not to have her come forth. And because the doctors have spoken retardation over her because she's got 54% of more fluid than brain in her in in her head and so all these words kept saying you know even when uh, she was uh, pregnant with her said oh she's gonna have heart problems she's gonna have I mean just every negative negative word and Ryan said I just said stop stop with the negative words he's I was sick and tired of hearing it sometimes we got to get mad because the enemy will use other people to, to cause that negativity to try and take root within you and I and then he steals your faith but Ryan says no she will live she will not die and I tell you what it's it's like we got to remember what God is doing in our life that plan that that purpose overrides anything and so it's time to be bold it's time to be courageous this is your season to rise this is my season to rise I want to walk in his purpose. I want to walk in his calling. I'm learning so many new things in this season. Counseling is one of those. <laughs> you know, along even with the teaching ability. Am I going to miss it? Absolutely. Am I going to fall short? Probably. But God is going to teach me. He's going to train me. Um, you know, my perfection is in him because I tell you what, I can't do all these things with my own ability because I am going to fall short. And I don't want to speak negative in my life, but I know that I can't do anything without him. And so that's where we need to be. Isaiah 61 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And I know that he was... Um, speaking um, figurative, figuratively uh, about Jerusalem, but the glory of God is on us. It's going to be seen upon us. Deborah gave orders to engage the enemy. Barak's faith might have been misdirected in Deborah for just a moment, but she was there and the word of God spoke, Go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands has not the Lord gone ahead of you I believe the moment he advanced on the battlefield that's when the heavens opened the steel chariots were stuck in the med the powerful steel chariots that carried the enemy into battle became powerless and was no match for the power of the living God that's when his faith grew is when he stepped out and went to go and defeat that army. Sometimes we fear what we're walking into that we forget who we're walking in with. And I'm going to say that again. Sometimes we fear what we're walking into that we fear that we forget who we're walking in with. God is with us. If God is with us, then who can be against us. That's in Romans 8:38. Deuteronomy 31:18 says the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. What is God saying to you? What voice are you listening to? What voice are you believing? How long will you sit back and allow the lies of doubt and unbelief and excuses? to keep you from moving forward and embracing the calling he has for you in this season. <clears throat> Sometimes the difficulties of a season are less about the enemy being against you and more about God wanting to show you what it feels like when he is for you because he's going to show himself strong. He wants to prove his faithfulness and love that he has for us in every circumstance that we face. 
Romans 8.28, you know this, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Maybe God is training you and He's teaching you something in this season so that you will be awakened in the next season. That way you'll have boldness, you'll have confidence and assured in your purpose. And when the storms of life come, you'll stand and you'll be able to say, He alone is my rock, my salvation, my tower, my strength, my refuge. He's my fortress and I will not be shaken. I want to be secure in my identity. I am a child of God. He has plans for me to prosper not to harm me, plans of hope and a future. You see, the devil can't take something that was already gifted to you at birth. Your identity and your purpose was created and given to you by God. But if the enemy gets you to believing his lies, then your belief system and your choice will either propel you or it's going to hold you back from moving into what God is calling you to do. Barak made a choice because he didn't do exactly as God instructed. He still led the battle. He still delivered the Israelites. But because that didn't change, because God's plan was already in motion, but God used Jael, a woman, to kill Sisera. So you have a purpose and you are called to do something for God. You have the word of God in you. You have the assurance from God that he's always with you. You have the anointing of God on you. There's healing in you. There's ministry in you. The fact that you are alive is proof that you have something that this generation needs. There are things that God desires to release through your life that will change generations and it will be passed down from generation to generation. The gift of God has always been in you. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop dis disqualifying yourself. Believe that God is raising you up and he wants to bring forth what he's planted in you. Don't allow fear to hold you back and don't allow the lies to say that you aren't enough. Don't allow those lies to stop you from walking and releasing what is in you. The enemy can't stop the call of God on, on your life, but he can plant a seed of doubt and unbelief, and then you will make the choice not to move forward. God's going to wait on you, but he wants you to choose him and to trust him in everything, even in the timing of God. Don't allow another season to go by and don't let God raise someone else up to do the very thing he has called you to do. So whatever we do in our lives, we want it to honor God. We want it to honor him in everything. And so I pray that your unique gifts, your talents, your abilities, they're going to always glorify God. May they arise within you to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. And I pray that you would come into your season of purpose and fulfill the calling that he has for you in this season. You're not too old. And if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, there you can go to our website, um, newpointchurch.live, and it says right on there that you can take a spiritual gifts test. If you're not sure, it's like, well, yeah, because things, seasons change. And I'll tell you what, my spiritual gifts test that I took about 20 years ago is so much different now <laughs> because your seasons change. And God's like, now my heart is for other things. Um, you know, the teaching gift. Um, now I never got the pastor before. Now I get the pastoral gift. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, that's probably good <laughs> that that gift is in me. Um, but you go through different seasons, and again, you're learning. He's training you. He's teaching you, and he's propelling you into a new season. And so things change. The gifting of God will change in a different way because what I did, you know, 
15, 20 years ago, I may not be doing that now, but I, like, for instance, like teaching, um, you know, a two-year-old or whatever. Um, no, now I'm doing this, okay? I, this teaching gift is still in me, but now I'm teaching women. So see, the teaching gift was in me, but I don't recall ever taking a spiritual gifts test. I don't know if it would have come up. It may have, but there are certain things that now my, um, because it usually will give you like five is your highest and then number four. So it kind of gives you a breakdown of what is your top gifting. And, um, and, and it's funny because one of mine is mercy. And I'm like, really? I have a mercy gift? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think I ever would have a mercy gift because I'm like, you know. But, but it's there. And it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, God developing that in me because I need that for where I'm at. I need that mercy gift. I need the calling. I need the servant. I need the pastoral because of what God's calling me to do. I need the teaching, you know. And so we need to, to just look at that. So I invite you to just go. It's free. Go to our website. See what your spiritual gifting is because it may have changed. Um, so I kept hearing, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. So wake up, daughters of God. Be courageous. Proverbs 16, 3 says, Roll your works on the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. And so we need to know that that gifting, everything that's, that's been birthed from God, when he says, Janice, I knew, before you were born, I formed you. You, were, you existed in heaven, and this is my plan for you. I want to be able to use you in this gift. And so I have, to, I have to listen to God throughout my whole life. All of a sudden, I had a tugging. You know what? I like kids. I, like, I want to teach. I want to teach. I want to help. Some people, some people have the gift of helps. I'll tell you what, being a servant and the gifts of help is so needed. And, you know, I, I always, um, so, sometimes people always say, oh, Janice, you do too much in the church. You know, you're always busy. You're always busy. And I told mom this. I said, man, if, if I came from a tribe in the Bible, it was the ones that worked in the temple. I'm telling you, that, was, that had to be passed down. I came from that generation because throughout my whole life, it was something that I didn't ask Hey, can I do this in the church? I just did it. It's like, I, hey, there's paper and cups on the floor. I just went and picked it up and, and you know, put it away. Um, hey, you know, if they want help for something, I just volunteered. I'll be there. I'll do this, you know. And it's not like people asked me. I just did it because that's what I do. I see things, and it's like I just, I just do it. And sometimes it is hard for me maybe to delegate but again, I don't, I don't do it because I want to, I, Janice wants to do everything. No, I don't want to do everything. Janice becomes very weary at times. And, uh, but it's like, but if I see something, I just, it's instinctive in me to just do it. it it's the house of the Lord. It's something that I always, you know, I want it to look nice. I'll, I'll, if there's no toilet paper, I don't sit here and, and go up to someone and say, hey, we're out of toilet paper in the bathrooms. No, I just... I just ran and get it. I didn't tell somebody else to do it. I just did it, you know? So it's it's those kind of things that it's like I just I just did it because it's in me. It's in me to to help and to do the work of God. I do everything unto him. It isn't for me to get the glory. I would love to be behind the scenes and not up front because that's that's my heart. I don't want to be seen. This has been difficult for me. <laughs> You know, just with the teaching, because it's like, you know, this this was not, I oh, I hated, hated giving reports in high school. Oh, man, to give a speech, ugh, dreaded it. I felt I was just, my hands would shake. Just, I just, I just couldn't do it. I just, I hated it so much. Even singing, I mean, there was times where I would be holding the microphone and I'm singing and my hand is shaking. I'm nervous. And it's like, it's almost like, okay, people would, would sit here and say, well, I'm nervous. I'm, this isn't for me. No, I had to get it past myself. It's like, okay, God, you've called me to something that I feel uncomfortable with. Because he might. 
He might call you to do something in it. You're like, mm, I don't think, I think God, you're missing this. I ain't comfortable here. Well, guess what? I think he's training you. He's teaching you. He's saying, you're going to learn something through this. <laughs> you know, so he's going to take us from glory to glory to glory because he's going to teach us, train us in this season because now in this next season, you're going to get stronger, more confident. And it's not that you're going to get stronger and confident in yourself, but you're going to get confident in me and what I've called you to do. And you're going to recognize and say, yeah, God, I remember that time. I know why I went through this because now I can see it in this season. I didn't know it in that season, but boy, now that I'm in this season and this time has gone by, I know that I know why I had to walk through this. Because with every season, every plan, every purpose, God's gonna turn around everything for his good. And so we have to just be obedient and trust him, even in the midst of horrible circumstances and trying times that we're going through, with whether it be sickness or, or someone that we know with a death in the family or our family members. It's so, so hard. It's so, so hard. But I tell you what, God is going to get you through that, if nothing else, to encourage and to be with that person, to be that encourager to them. Because guess what? Barack needed Deborah to be that encourager to him. Even though he knew that she heard the voice of God, he wasn't sure that he could do anything without her because he didn't recognize the voice of God because at that time, God wasn't speaking through Barack. He was only speaking through Deborah for the, for the people. And so we have to say, okay, God, what are you speaking through me? God, I don't want to have to try and get a word from somebody else. I don't want to have to rely on what they're saying but God, I know that you can speak directly to me and I'm going to hear your voice and I'm going to do your will and I'm going to accomplish your will because he's going to see that it's accomplished in your life. But make the choice to be obedient and to trust him. Because I tell you what, like Barack, Barack would have taken the, the victory, but because he didn't fully obey what God was telling him to do, God raised somebody else to take that victory. And I don't want God to call me to something and then me out of fear, not step into it. And then he says, okay, Janice, I really wanted you to take you this, to take you to this spot. But since you're not being obedient, I'm gonna raise somebody else to do this, okay? He'll still have that in me. But guess what? For that season, he had to raise somebody else because I wasn't obedient to God. Okay, then maybe then I'm going to learn something through this because God's going to reveal it to me and say, mm. and then I'm going, yeah, you're right. God, I, it was me. I was fearful. I didn't trust you enough. So guess what? God's still going to fulfill the purpose. It just wasn't in this season. So he's going to perform his will no matter what. But now I'm going to get ready in the next season because I learned so much in this one. And God, I'm going to hear your voice more. I'm going to, I'm going to stand and be more obedient to you. And so that's where he wants you to arise. He wants you to be courageous. He wants to take you and make your purpose be fulfilled in everything that he has put in you. The talent, the abilities, the giftings. You are important to God. You're, you are born for a purpose. If nothing else, and again, if you're alive in this generation, then God wants to use you. He doesn't want you just to sit at home. He wants to use you. So pray, get alone with him. Just like Deborah, get alone with God. Let him be your mouthpiece. Let him speak to you. Get a notebook, write it down. Because God will just begin pouring out his heart. And you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna uh, just, and God's done that to me so many times. I need to get back my other old notebooks. But I, I remember a season, that I just, I just was just crying out to God, and, and I like I didn't think I heard His voice, and and so I got out my notebook and I would just start writing, you know, yeah, this is my day, this is what my kids are doing, and yeah, I'm struggling in this area, and then all of a sudden, God, it changes, <laughs> and He says, "Be strong, I'm with you." I'm with your kids. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to allow anything to come against you. I mean, it's all of a sudden the word of God is just flowing. I'm like, but you could see it from the, from the beginning of what I was writing. All of a sudden, God took over and was speaking to me. 
and God will do that to you. So just be praying, and I know Deb probably has been journaling a lot, and I'll tell you what, when you start pouring your heart on the pages, all of a sudden God starts giving you a word. It doesn't have to be through somebody else because he wants to give you a divine, intimate word that's directly from him. He'll use other people, but he really wants that intimacy with you. Because I tell you what, when he speaks something into your heart, he may tell somebody else, and then that's always confirmation to you. Because sometimes you're like, well, I don't know if that was God or not. Well, then all of a sudden now, God can use somebody else to say, hey, you know what? I just feel like this and this and this is going on in your life. You're like, oh, wow. Okay, that's right. I, I've got confirmation that this is what's going on. So, okay, I probably need to stop here. I've been talking too long. But um, just be encouraged because I, I know God has a plan. He's got a purpose. And he wants um, you to know that he loves you and that he has a purpose, and you guys are important to the kingdom of God. So just get alone with him and ask him what he wants you to learn in this season that you're in now. And also just say, God, am I truly doing what you're calling me to do right now? Okay, don't get in a hurry, but just know, you know what? Yeah, God, I know that I'm in the right place, okay? But always ask, because I always do. It's like, okay, God, what do you want to teach me this year? Every, every year, every, every season of time, there's something he's wanting us to learn. Because we're not all perfect. And he's, he, only he can perfect us when he takes us to heaven. But he, he does. He wants to perfect in us his will and his purpose so that we can recognize because that's what I want more than anything is when God's speaking to me I hear his voice and I don't have to question it I just know it's the voice of God and I just speak it I don't I don't wait I just okay God this is this is your voice and I know ten years ago I would have always questioned it now I don't question it at all because it says my sheep hear my voice and they know me so that's where I want so I want to be able to learn in every season, God, what are you teaching me? And do what he wants. So I guess we can just pray. So God, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you for every woman that's here. God, I thank you for the word of God. God, it's sharp. It's, it pierces the very soul. And God, I know that this word you put in my heart to for arise, arise, arise for Deborah, God, that these women, God, would begin to arise and take their place, God, with the courage and confidence in where you have placed them in the kingdom of God. And so, God, I pray that you would begin to just speak to them. God, let them hear a rhema word from you, God, that their full and complete confidence, God, is only in you, God. We can have our confidence in our pastors and, and, and fellow fellow people that we uh, associate with, but God, ultimately, you want us to turn to you. And so, God, I just pray that you would just um, give them a deep understanding of your purpose and your plan, and God, that you would go before them. God, I pray that you would anoint and bless their families, God, their children and their grandchildren, God. We pray the blessings of God on their lives. And God, that they will indeed, because you said in Scripture, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So God, we declare and proclaim every child, every grandchild for the kingdom of God. And so Holy Spirit, draw them uh, to you, God. God, we declare it and we speak it. God, it's a word, it's the word of God, and it's truth. And God, you do not lie. And so God, I claim it, we proclaim it, and we declare it in the heavenlies. So God, go before them. God, give them an opportunity, God, to, to be your mouthpiece. God, that they can speak life and encourage God, the people that they come into contact with, God, that we would show the glory of God as it rests on us, God, that you would begin to speak it through us, God, that it would be effective for your kingdom. And God, we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you're doing in this church and with everyone here. God, thank you for them. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.